Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, everyone. This is Brian Reisman, host of Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please subscribe and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And also know that it is now available as a video podcast on YouTube. Starting with episode 56, it's video onward, but you can also listen to the audio portion right here. I hope you enjoy this latest episode. Hey everybody, this is Brian Reisman with Side Jams. In our episode today, welcoming singer, rapper, philosopher, and hockey fanatic, Matis Yahoo. Hello, hello. I see you've dyed your hair. It's sort of uh, sort of between purple and fuchsia. I'm not quite... Yes. Is it indigo? Violet? Yeah. yeah, I've been dyeing it like every few days and just messing around with different colors. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, but your, your hair was naturally dark before. But my hair started going, it started going white when I was like 26. My dad was premature gray. By the time he was 40, he was all gray. And I don't remember, I don't have a recollection of him before that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't have to, I get to skip the, the, the bleaching process and just my hair has no pigment. So it, it can, it can, I can have fun with it without having to get it bleached, which is kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're having fun. I had a I had a roommate freshman year at NYU, and he was a punk, and so he dyed his his own hair. So occasionally, it felt like he had multicolored roots at a certain point. He yeah. was blonde, but then he went black. Then he went red. Then he went something else. It was yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was just checking out your new album, the self titled new release, which came out a couple weeks ago. Thank you. At this point, and and, and it's interesting because it's it's. Uh, you know, there's a lot of atmospheric tunes on it. I mean, you're known for mixing up, you know, obviously reggae and hip hop and pop. And this one seems very contemplative. And uh, I know that you got, you were married again recently, like three years ago, and you have two children. Yep. Um, with your wife. And, and, and it seems like this is an album sort of both about celebrating the sort of, I think, the soulmate in your life, but also, again, with a lot of the themes in your albums of sort of tracing your continual evolution as a human being. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I think as the years have gone on, my, my, my lyric writing has become a, a little less uh, idea, I, idealistic and more um, re- like realistic or about my, my real life experiences, even though a lot of the kids today, they really write r- extremely literally. Is, that's kind of the thing right now. But for me, yeah. it's still using lots of metaphors. Like my sons are downstairs right now recording music um, with another young artist. And the the their writing, I'm listening in on their writing sessions and stuff, and it's so interesting because like I feel like such an old man because of like I, I use metaphors and all these like <laughs> like these kids they talk about exactly what it is that they're you know talking about, um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, personal 
Um, I, I, brought, I, I made, I became a, the music became more personal over the years, I would say. Um, and, yeah. and, le and less about ideas. And this, this record definitely continues that. And I think that musically this record kind of leaves a lot of space for the vocals. And, um, that, that's something that a lot of people are kind of saying like that they are really hearing the lyric and coming back to the lyric, which I think no matter what genre that I'm dipping into or, or blending, the lyric is always kind of the central thing that makes it like, I guess, Matisyahu, one of the things. And um, certainly the fans, the core fans, they come back to that. So they seem to be pretty happy with the album, though it is pretty meditative. We, yeah. Well, but, you know, the opening track, you say you're not regular, you're not secular. I mean, obviously, there are some fans who followed you all the way through. The first thing I think of is this movie. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Nice, Sam Raimi. <laughs> I, I like this. I like when I, I saw it, I was like, ah, I dig this. It's like when I, I didn't, you know, I watched the last Bill and Ted movie and Kid Cudi was in there and I didn't know much about him, but I was like, oh, that was a great performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cudi shows does up at the of, end like it's just, what? Yeah, Kid, Kid Cudi does a lot of acting. It's kind of cool that he pops in. He pops in all the time in, in movies. You're like, whoa. Um, this was like really cool experience for me to be in a, in a horror movie. And, uh, and a we, Jewish horror movie, though, because it's usually Christian stuff. And this is yeah. this wasn't the Gollum either. This was like the Dybbuk yeah. box. Yeah, yeah. This was the first like Jewish poltergeist um, story, at least that we know of. It was pretty scary. It's pretty scary. Was it you had a good time on set? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I, I filmed it, I think, in like some it was somewhere around the time that I was going to Vancouver for the Olympics for the for the one day stuff. And it was yeah. shot. It was shot in Vancouver. So I remember like. Around that year, I was like, it was like my second home. I was I was spending a lot of time up there. Yeah, no, I mean, the new album, there's a lot. Of, I, I, think, I think my favorite track actually on the new album is Rain Dance, which is at the end, which I believe was inspired by a wilderness therapy session that you did, getting back to nature. And you felt yeah. that was a transformative experience. And it feels like that when you listen to it. It's very dreamy, very meditative. Thank you. Yeah, that, I'm so, that's, that's so cool that that's your favorite song. It's, it's probably my favorite song on the album, too. It's... It's really powerful one. A lot of your, you deal, you've talked about feeling isolated and you always have this uplifting message in your music. And you also, there's a lot of peace, love and understanding. At the same time, you're a big hockey fan and people associate that oftentimes with violence and like, yeah. and anger. And I'm kind of curious, you've been actually, you started playing hockey as a kid. It goes way back. Yeah. yeah, I started when I was a little kid, when I was like, started skating when I was maybe eight years old and playing hockey for the Plainsmen and White Plains when I was nine. And mm. then I played a bit in, in high school and eventually kind of got more into music, but I've always had a love for it. And when I lived in LA, um, my kids were, were getting involved in baseball and I was, I was not a fan. I'm not a fan of baseball. I was never a fan of watching baseball, unfortunately. Um, it can so be boring. I, was, <laughs> I yeah, played so it, but it can be boring to watch. <laughs> I, I hit up uh, Luke Robitaille and, and, and we got some tickets to the Kings game. We went right against the boards and my uh, two boys fell in love with the sport and played hockey ever since all three of my boys. Um, yeah. and so it's, yeah, I love it. I love, especially like since COVID started, like having the, the TV on during hockey season and watching the games, uh, going to the games. Um, like my boys are, one of them is a hardcore Kings fan, even though I'm from New York and, and we live in New York <laughs> in, in, New, in New Jersey, but they won two, two Stanley cups in, during the four years that we were living in LA. So, they're pretty, pretty big Kings fans. It's cool. Well, and uh, of course, being a New Yorker, Islanders, Rangers. Yeah, I've always been. A I've always been a Rangers fan, but I really started watching the Islanders a lot last season. They had a great team last season, and so uh, I like all the New York teams, and even the Devils. Now I'm living in New Jersey, so 
Oh, right on. So, like, do you find do you find uh, a diff- especially with the New York teams, a big difference in terms of their uh, the way they, way they approach things? On the New York team. Yeah, just on how they play. You know, I've never been a huge sports fan. A friend of mine is like a big art fan and sports fan. And you see a lot of analysis. And people who aren't hardcore sports fans probably sit there and you'll roll their eyes. Like, what does this all mean? Mm, mm. You find a difference in terms of their strategies and the way they've approached things over the years? Oh, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, I, it is fun. It's fun to watch teams build. And, and that's been that's been fun watching like the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils in this in their in in their process of building these teams that are really, really great and then watching when a team gets hot and how they kind of like how they just going from game to game um so it's 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 fun i like watching sports you know there was a time when i was uh you know when when i was like way more into studying all the time and as i've gotten older i kind of feel like you know there's something to be said for like watching a game and just relaxing and um also because of my involvement with my boys you know so it's it's fun well, so it's but it's also of all the sports out there, it's the most fast paced. Yeah, I mean, people are whizzing around on the ice, so it's like it's I, I can't imagine it's super relaxing because you start getting pumped up. Seems like hockey fans really get into it. Yeah, yeah, you always like you can hear like the whistles blowing. You know, there's some kind of scuffle in front of the net. I, wherever I am in the kitchen or whatever, I always turn around. What's going on? Um, so yeah, it's a fun it's a fun game. It's so fast paced. It's so beautiful and graceful, and it's so hard hitting. And um, violent at the same time. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful um, combination of things. I, I don't think there's any sport like it. Is it therapeutic for you to get on the ice and kind of slam into people and do that? Oh, not, not at all. <laughs> not anymore. I mean, now when I get on the ice, it's like, you know, it's like two, three minutes and then I'm tired. I have no stamina and, and I don't have those muscles anymore. But when I uh, when I was a kid, it was it was it was really therapeutic. I mean. Um, I had memories of, we were on an outdoor rink and, you know, the sun coming up, you know, at those early morning practices and my dad standing on the bleachers with his coffee, you know, cup and, um, the steam rising up from that. And I loved, I loved being on the ice. I loved skating and I loved hitting. And it's such, it was such a great feeling to hit uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from such a, a guy with this peaceful message in his music and you're like, yeah, yeah well, you know. It's like people are complex and, you know, you can sing about peace and, and hope for that and you can treat people in a peaceful way. It doesn't mean that you're not going to like um, ice hockey. And, and and I think it's funny, like a lot of times people think one person has to be a one way the whole way. That's so boring, you know. Well, that's in, that's in a lot of your music. Like you're not defined yeah. in any one way. And there's some people that are. I mean, like in that song Lonely Day on the new album, it's clear that you had an epiphany early on, whereas a lot of your peers were trying to conform and you weren't. You kind of went the other way. And I relate to that because as a kid, I was like the honor student, like heavy metal, horror movies, comic books, Godzilla movies, like a lot yeah. of stuff that people thought was stupid, you know, right. and I was getting really high marks, but I just liked these kind of just dark and weird things to other people. Right. Or just fantasy. Um, and I was reading too, actually, you, so you actually, you worked on a ski mountain in Bend, Oregon at one point, but how old were you at that, at that time? Uh, I was 18. 1819. I worked at Mount Bachelor in, in Bend, Oregon. It's a great mountain. I, I worked on the, the rainbow chairlift, which is like the, the old school heavy steel chairlifts that you had to slow down oh, wow. or else it would like knock somebody out. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great time. It was such a, a nice time in my life because I was away from New York in a, in a pretty small town at the time. Bend was still a pretty small town. And yeah. um, it was, it was great for me because I did like 
community theater there. I got the lead role in, in the Equus play. I played the boy. Oh, wow. it, it, and I did, uh, they had open mic night at coffee shops that were like, you know, small enough that I felt confident to go in there and start performing. And then they, they eventually gave me my own night. Uh, the place was called Cafe Paradiso. And mm. I had videotapes of, of me and God, you know, doing these improvisational jams and stuff. And I, I had bought a motorcycle. There were the, the lakes in the summertime. You drive up to the mountains and go swimming. I mean, I think I was living in a garage, and I had my putting my first band together um, and playing local shows and stuff. And I was like eighteen, nineteen. It was like a, it was a, a really cool time in my life. And then so I, you lived I up, yeah, so you lived up there for a couple of years. Yeah, I was there for two years. Yeah. And then, so and then, what was the what was the early band like? The, <laughs> the, early band, the, the name was soul for i and then the, we had a duo called the mystical truth and i was mc truth and there was mc mystic and it, it was we, we were just a bunch of couple of it was like did you ever see like granola funk like uh, i don't know like on fish tour there were like hippies that were that were like beatboxing and and okay. rapping and it was like that kind of thing it was like crunchy kind of uh but it was the it was the the original like uh, seeds of what was to become Matas Yahoo because I was starting to figure out like where my identity played in and <clears throat> what was important to me. And I was getting a lot of time performing in front of people and getting comfortable being um, like on a stage. And you did you snowboarding up there too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think you heard, you got hurt at one point. Oh, I got, some tricks or... I got hurt. I got, I broke my collarbone skiing when I was 16 and that was oh, the wow. end of that was the end of my skiing because it was it was with a pole. So after that, I said, you know, snowboarding for me, please. So from snowboarding to Rabbi Exorcist, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a, it's, it's been quite a it's been quite a life, I have to say. <laughs> it is. It's very it's it's clever. And also, I was I was reading because I found this old uh, it was this old Entertainment Weekly story that uh, you used you, you loved playing sports growing up, but then. You got a reputation for being a stoner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. got you booted off the team, or how did yeah. that? How did that work? Pretty I mean, much, you know. I was, I was, I, my love was ice hockey, and I, I wanted to be really focused, determined hockey player. And um, and um, I just kind of string of bad luck, you know. One season, I broke my collarbone. I was out, you know. With the, um, <clears throat> I kind of wasn't really ready to, to probably like when I was y that young, at, you know, in middle school, ready to step up and, and be on a varsity team, which was what I was sort of was the goal, what was, what it was looking like. I had to make a choice. Mm. And um, I, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, ended up playing JV and it was less competitive and it was less of a push and I didn't really push myself. And that's when I started smoking weed and like listening to music. And when I, when I did it, um, it was very much like uh, prev it was very obvious um, I became kind of a, a, a hippie uh, and <clears throat> um, th definitely I don't think the coach was interested in having me yeah. on the team you know I, I had these huge dreadlocks and you know would wear sandals to school in February um, I was definitely on my own trip you know you think it was just part of the image, or is it really hard to get the dreadlocks under the helmet? And <laughs> uh, no, I have. I have videos. Of, I had flames on the side of the helmet and dreadlocks coming down. Really? And I'm six six foot four, so on skates, that's like I'm like six eight. It was it was a sight to to see. Yeah, it was quite a sight to see. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you have like photos and videos from that from that era? I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I have the white plains. I have the white plains high school. Uh, you know 
varsity hockey picture with me with the dreadlocks. It's pre- it's pretty cool. And watching your sons get into hockey, how, is it? You're obviously reliving those times, but have you have you? Is there anything you, any wisdom you can pass on to them about the sport that you learned? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, um, you know, I do it with hockey, I and I do it with music with my older boys who are who are now recording music, and I do it um, like with just life stuff all the time. You know, it's like it's like kids need like my at least I find like constantly like not constantly, but you need to have conversations with them about your experiences. It's really important that you share. I think as a parent, your personal experiences, and a lot of parents just shy away from that, and they they feel like they have to guard their children from themselves. Yeah, and um, I, I I'm very much like I believe that like we have experiences. Kids are really smart. They know like what what you know when parents are lying to them and when they're not, and like that whole trust thing is so important. And they feel like you know there isn't like you know like it, it's all right there. So yeah, for sure. I talk to them all the time. My my number one lesson I had to learn from myself um, in the hockey rinks is the is the uh, temper because you know when you're watching hockey yeah. and you watch the hockey parents and they start losing their minds, you know. But when you see your kid get like you know smashed like illegally or something like that, you know, it's really easy to lose it. So after a couple of years of watching them, I finally learned how to come watch the games and just realize, okay, this is children's hockey. We can just relax and. and and, and enjoy the game. But yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to give them advice on stuff. Well, let's see with your young son, son and daughter now too, to see if they follow in those footsteps and, yeah, we'll and see. see what that happens. And you'll have more wisdom at that point, hopefully. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember I, you know, I played little league for three seasons, you know, speaking of baseball, like we were talking about earlier. And I remember once after a game, we'd beaten this other team and this, and this kid said, oh, you guys are a bunch of cheaters, you know, and my friend's dad got really pissed off, said, hey, and he, and he came over and he gave him a lecture about sportsmanship. Yeah. And these days, I feel like we have a problem with sportsmanship in some cases yeah. in yeah. society now. And on top of that, you can't say anything to anybody else's kid, even yeah. if they've actually done something bad that, you know, you can talk to someone else and say, that's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't no, light that thing on fire. Yeah, no, I think it's totally fine to do that. I've had actually like times where a parent, I've you know I've started giving speeches and and um, other parents have come over and been like like wow like that was really cool like that, kids need to hear that stuff stuff about just like making eye contact with the people at the rink and shaking people's hands and saying hello and being like human beings you know what I mean. <laughs> We live in a weird digital world now. Yeah, I mean, really, it's like, and that's what's interesting about you know rain dancing. You have. We have this world that people are we're more connected and we're more disconnected at the same time. And it was interesting. I, I I just read that you had played a benefit for Ukraine last month at City Winery, and I believe your great grandmother was Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. From Odessa. So you, have, yeah. so you have a connection to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it makes me think of the video for Jerusalem because you had that people putting up photos up on that wall of light and. In some cases, you automatically think of a memorial, given a tragedy, but it was an interesting mixture of how you were showing all the diverse types of people we have in the world, and at the same time, empathizing with the pain of different groups. Absolutely. It was an interesting juxtaposition that you had there. Oh, thank you. And as I was thinking also, you know, you you combined religion and hockey together in the miracle video. Yeah. So... Was you have that Roman emperor who like imprisons you in this black gladiator in a cage, and you guys get out, and he sends his hockey minions after you? Yeah, that was that was. I've had a couple of video treatments that I wrote, and that was one of them. And it was like I had very specific things that I wanted. I wanted Modest Yahoo. 
ice capades on LSD, basically. And, <laughs> and I was like, it has to include the young blood scene, you know, where the guy does the, the skates, you know, the movie young blood. I don't know yeah, if yeah, yeah. with Rob Lowe. I'm like, I want a young blood scene. We need a Zamboni, uh, in the video. <laughs> uh, OG, it's a, it's such a cool video. I love that to this day. It's such a fun video. Um, but yeah, it's all about like, Jack, she's like in my life, different, interesting things coming together. And like, to me, that's, what's beautiful. I mean, you, you take like being Hasidic and, and then reggae music, those two things which seemingly are so, so separate. And then you find this link, this like real authentic place where the, where you can combine them. I think my father t- once told me about this time when we, I ride uh, motorcycles, Har- uh, Harley also. And yeah. me, and my, me and my dad were on a little motorcycle trip. And we were at some motel somewhere, and it was all lined with motorcycles. You know, everyone was sleeping there uh, along the road. And everyone was, like, revving up their engines in the morning. And you hear, like, these Harleys. And over the top of, of, of the Harleys, I had started um, hanging out with these Hasidim that, that pray really, really loud. Like, they scream. It's like screaming at God, basically. And, mm. <clears throat> I, and I was praying that way. And so you could hear all the Harleys, and then you could hear over the top of it, Shema Israel, you know, like, and he thought it was one of the coolest. He's atheist, but he thought it was one of the coolest, um, you know, religious moments he ever saw. <laughs> Sounds kind of metal, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you, so you've been riding motorcycles your whole adult life, or did you start, did you start when you were a teenager? Yeah, well, I think when I was about 18, I got my first bike. Yeah. What was your yeah. first bike? My first bike was a uh, it was a Yamaha Seika, which was like um it was like a but it was like, I think it was like an eighty two, so it had this huge gray fairing on the front that was like super heavy and made it sort of difficult to maneuver, but uh, yeah that was the first bike. My second bike I got when I moved back to New York City, in a famous uh, bike shop in Williamsburg, no longer there, a guy named Slick that used to sell Japanese bikes right. In, in now where there's skyscrapers in, in, in Williamsburg. Yeah. But, uh, and that bike I sold back to him and, um, you know, who bought it, ended up buying that bike was one of the members of the office. Uh, one, I forgot his name. One of the, one of the well-known comedians. Um, and, and we have a joint friend and he took a picture of himself on the bike. He said, look, I have Modest's bike now. So that was uh, the guy who plays Andy on The Office. It was Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Yeah, Ed Helms. Ed Helms yeah. has, it's like a yellow, it's like a yellow motorcycle. Like it looks like the motorcycle from, um, from, from like the original Jimmy Cliff, Harder They Fall. You know okay. that, uh, that it's pretty cool. And then <clears throat> the next bike I had, I bought my father's Harley off of him. And he, he mm. bought himself a new bike, and that was a great bike. And we went on a on a, a road trip together, and I was starting to make some money, and the clutch went out, and I was like, you know, like I couldn't stop the bike, or else I couldn't start it. So I was going through like traffic lights, you know, trying to get to this Harley dealership, and I ended up buying a new bike at that dealership because I couldn't they couldn't replace the clutch, and I didn't want to end the trip. And then over time, I've had different bikes. The one I have now is a shovel head that was built for me by a good friend of mine from my time back in Oregon. Yeah. What was, what was the most fun ride you ever took? Um, most fun ride. 
I the I've I was just my dad was here a couple days ago and we were talking about like trips that we've taken together and we were talking about all the crazy experiences we've had like uh, we we had a lot of fun but the moments that we remember are when you're like you know riding behind a semi on the highway to shield the rain going eighty miles an hour or like we've had Jeez. these crazy experiences where you're it's beautiful and then you go up to the mountains and there's snow all over the road um, yeah there's been a few. The thing with semis, you have to be careful because like they can't see you. I remember one time I almost got run off the road in Connecticut because I was kind of going up this mountainside and there's a lane, you know, they have that really quick lane merge. And it's like, I almost, I was almost like, it was like, <laughs> like I just swerved and got between him and the car behind him. Oh, cool. You know? Wow. It's and, nuts. And yeah. It, yeah. With cars, I imagine with bikes, it's actually very tricky. Yeah. My first, my first trip that I took, um, I well, my first gig that I ever had, like where I got paid money for doing music, it was like through the Detroit Auto Show and Volkswagen, and I performed at the Detroit Auto Show while I was in college, before I was Matis Yahoo, or before I had really become religious in any way. Yeah. And um, I took that money, I bought myself a little Kawasaki, and I drove that from New York to Minneapolis because. It was like I had a friend who was a producer there who would who would help me make a demo, and it was like you know today it's like everyone can make a demo like in their in in their living room with the most yep. basic stuff. But then it was like okay, I've got a friend, and I took this journey, and I decided to go like what I thought were back roads through Canada. It was the most ridiculous way of going. Um, that was an insane an insane trip. But speaking of dangerous, did you ever have any like hockey? I mean, big hockey injuries. Uh, yeah, I tore my ACL. I like kind of totally, and my my MCL, like my whole meniscus, my my knee. Yeah. Uh, I was playing like men's league hockey at Chelsea Piers, mm -hmm. and I guess I was in my mid thirties or early thirties or something, and I just felt someone fell on top of me and just, psh, and, yeah. Have you ever played like street hockey or deck hockey? Mm. Street hockey, yeah, like roller hockey. Growing up as a kid and stuff, like on rollerblades. For sure, and how does that how is that different? I mean, obviously, it's it's you're still gliding across the surface, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's a different it's a different motion. I think it's gotten closer and closer over the years. They've the materials have gotten like better, but um, basically, you're talking about rubber on pavement versus metal on ice. So the whole feel is a completely different feel, but it is generally the same idea, you know. And for kids like you know growing up in New York and stuff like we all have access to rinks all the time or um, or even like programs all the time. So, uh, street hockey and roller hockey is like a huge, a huge part of it all. And composite sticks or wooden sticks? Oh, composite. Yeah. I don't think wooden sticks anymore. I don't think they use them anymore. Is this was sturdier in general? I think, I think they use for, for street hockey, they use the composite. I don't know if they use wood sticks, but the sticks now are so light. It's insane. They're crazy. Crazy. Well, in the past, when you were on tour, did you actually go skating or play hockey while you were on tour? Or is that, yep. Was that a no-no? I'm, I'm going to have to get you some pictures of that too. Like, I would, I would set up the hockey nets. We would play roller hockey. We would, um, we would, uh, we, we went so far as I went so far as to have a custom trailer built with, um, with a whole thing for for a uh, uh, motorcycle to put, like ramp the motorcycle in. So I had my Harley out on the road with me for years and years. Um, you know, while I was touring and stuff too. That's cool. And then what, that's why like any, as hockey as well, like you would play. 
oh yeah, like I would play with my sons because I had my sons out on tour with me all the time as well. And I would um, I would have the hockey net set up every day. The rollerblades would be out and the sticks and we would just be shooting around wherever the tour bus was parked up, whether it was a parking lot in a in like a big amphitheater or whether we were like on some side street in Pittsburgh, you know, we would find places to take slap shots and stuff. Would your manager be like, no, 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 you can't do that on tour. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, usually there was a tour manager at some point that was like, what are you guys doing? You know, (laughs) it's a little tricky. Well, at least, no, it's good. I mean, it sounds like you just try to have a a well-rounded life. I mean, it's important, I think, to have other things. I mean, I've had people tell me, I was talking with Ben from Asking Alexandria, and he said in the beginning of the pandemic, he learned how to cook because he realized his hobby became, his passion became his career. Oh, wow. I feel, I feel like as a writer, like, you know, all the things I love became my career. So what do I do outside of that? Yeah. To, to find the thing. Do you, do you, do you, I guess it's a good refuge for you also because of all the stuff you're doing. It's totally true. It's totally true what you're saying. It's when your, your main passion, your main hobby becomes your, your, not only your, your, your way of making finances, it becomes your whole entire life, you know? And it's a, it's an incredible blessing. That's what everybody wants to have, to be able to be surrounded by doing the thing they love all the time. But it's also, there's a side of it that people, a lot of people don't know about or don't talk about. And it, it's, um, it, it, it takes that away from you. Yeah. And, um, and then you become kind of like, you find these other little hobbies, these little things that make your life complete. And that, those are the things that kind of make you part of the things that make your life complete, you know? For sure. But, you know, I had a couple other quick hockey questions, which was, well, first of all, favorite team? Favorite team is the Rangers, New York Rangers. And who are you, who you, who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year? The New York Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> There's no question. They're actually doing really well. I think, I think we have a shot at it. Is there any, is there any one position that uh, you, you tended to play? Um, I played everything. I played, I played left wing mainly. I'm a lefty. And I played I played center a little bit, but um, I really love defense, and I played defense and um, for a couple of years, and it's just such a fun position. And I, I have a certain appreciation for that position. What's the hardest position to play? You think? Well, that's tough. That's a tough one. I don't know if you can say it's it's hard being on the ice. Uh, five guys on the ice, you know what I mean? Uh, rotating all the time. So everyone's getting fresh legs. It's not like in basketball where you have like your starting five or whatever is, is pretty much in yeah. in for the game. Um, it's such a team sport, you know, and there's also a culture of humility that you find in the sport, which you don't find in a lot of sports today. Um, but there's a culture of like of team mentality, you know. Uh, so I, I appreciate that as well. I like that. Which is interesting given that it can be, it can be one of the more violent sports. <laughs> yeah. With some people. Yeah. The thing with the violence is this, like in some sports you'll see, you might see like a fight start to happen. It's so out of the box and it's so abnormal for the sport and you know, that it's just like, well, what is this? You know, this is just rage. This is just, but you have to remember with hockey that, uh, these are, these guys are so tough, you know, (laughs) they're getting like punched in the face, hit with hockey pucks and stuff and, and bouncing back. It's just part of the, the thing. And then there's this whole culture to like protecting your players on the ice and, and not, you know, uh, being intimidated and not, and, and, and that's all part of, of the understanding and the mentality that everyone who's playing hockey and a lot of the hockey people that are watching hockey have. So when there's a fight, you know, it's not like that, the end of the world. First of all, rarely is anyone getting injured. 
Uh, and and um, I mean, it happens, but it's not serious injuries. And then um, you'll see the guys like laughing about it as they're on their way to the to the penalty box, you know, with each other, the guys they just fought, you know. And it's yeah. sort of a part, it's just a part of the 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 thing. It it's not so crazy, really. I don't. How did how did that how did that prepare you for life on the road? <laughs> the life well, of a rock star. <laughs> mm. Dealing with hecklers um, I, and dealing with weird situations and everything, like well, when it comes to that, like I, don't, I don't think that hockey prepared me for that. I'm a pretty sensitive type, and where I really got prepared, well, not prepared, but where I learned how to grow thick skin was my time in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, in um, the religious community, because in huh. that community there's no there's no uh, boundaries whatsoever, you know, um, and it's very in your face and everything is very crowded. And I was kind of living in that community. So people will say whatever they want to you. They'll ask you for whatever they want. There's no sense of, is this a good time or a bad time? Or maybe we shouldn't come to his house or, or have, call him on his cell phone. Or, there's no no mm. uh, limitations at all. So um, that was kind of where, I, I guess, the place where I had to learn as I, as I started touring. And, you know, I had to learn how to be a little less sensitive in, when it comes to people and, and the way people are, you know, and, that you know, just this is the the way people are, you know? Yeah. Is there any, I guess, lastly, is there any big life lesson that you've learned that you can impart to younger people after this kind of wild ride you've been on so far? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many lessons. Um, and I'm, I'm learning them every day and, and trying to teach them to my kids every day. Um, uh, where to start, where do you start? Uh, where do you start with that? You know? Um, I guess the main thing is, um, I guess, one thing like that, like I was talking with my younger son is about like recently is about like action. And um, sometimes like certain people, like we have like a lot of hunger and a lot of desire and, and big dreams, you know, yeah. and, um, and like, you know, it has to start with you um, basically like working at something and, and becoming good at it, you know, and it's like ba very basic, but like, so for some people, it's the life is all out here, and it's not like in here in the details of of doing. And yeah. um, that was a lesson that has taken me a long time to learn, and one that I'm I'm re was recently trying to impart onto my 11 year old. You know that it, it doesn't matter so much what people think at the end of the day, or or who thinks what, or who you convince of what. But um, at the end of the day, you know you. you your security comes from your sense of, of what you actually do, what you actually are able to, to do. And that takes work and it's tedious and a step at a time, that type of thing. Work in progress. Yeah, man. All right. Well, Mattis, thank you again. It was a great chat. Hopefully we'll chat again at some point soon. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.